Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Journal Podcasts, On The Hoof. Hello, my name is Chris Neal and welcome to this edition of the Equine Veterinary Journal's On The Hoof podcast, which we aim to summarise a selection of accepted early view or recently published articles. Today we look at a paper accepted in November 2021 that attempted to identify the most useful physical, metabolic or management factors that can predict laminitis development in client-owned ponies. The primary authors were Edward Knowles and Jonathan Elliott, who worked with other clinicians from the Royal Veterinary College and Waltham Centre for Pet Nutrition, which were both based within the United Kingdom. Despite ponies having a high risk of endocrinopathic laminitis associated with metabolic, morphometric and management factors than horses, the relative and quantifiable risk of each factor is yet to be established in the literature. The authors therefore aim to determine the most important physical metabolic and management risk factors that may clinically predict future laminaritic risk in non-laminitic ponies within the southeast of England. They hope to create a risk categorization clinical prediction model that could be used to communicate to owners and guide preventative strategies within the field. In order to investigate their hypothesis, the others conducted an observational prospective cohort study. They visited 374 ponies over 24 premises in the southeast of England every six months in the spring and autumn, for up to eight times between 2015 and 2019. Ponies had to be older than five years of age and with no history of laminitis or diagnosed risk factors, and kept with at least five other eligible ponies. If a pony was diagnosed with laminitis or PPID, it was excluded from further follow-up. During each visit, Ponies underwent a standardised clinical examination, which included body condition scores, cresty neck scores, specific anatomical measurements and the presence or absence of hypertrichosis, superorbital fat pads and forelimb divergent hoof growth. Non-fasted blood samples were taken for basal insulin, adiponectin, triglycerides, glucose, ACTH and a modified oral sugar test was performed. Owners of the ponies were asked to complete a questionnaire about the diet, health and management of the ponies at each visit, as well as being asked about the suspicion of laminitis as diagnosed by themselves, their veterinary surgeon or farrier. A limited number of variables were subjectively selected to create four multivariable models that could be used to identify laminitis development hazard. Two further combined models were created, which then underwent statistical analysis and testing to determine their effectiveness. 216 geldings, 147 mares and two stallions of varying pony breeds and competition disciplines were included within the study. A total of 891 pony years were studied, during which 43 cases of laminitis, 32 being veterinary confirmed, were diagnosed. This gave an instance of 4.8 cases per 100 pony years, which is consistent with a previous study in the literature. The incidence of laminitis was three times lower within the winter than the summer. The different risk factors between seasons were not determined, and subjective turnout quality slash time was not found to be a significant risk factor. However, no objective measurement was performed and owners may have been biased by reducing turnout time for those deemed at risk of laminitis to themselves. The inclusion of owner and farrier suspected laminitis in the study may also have artificially increased laminitis incidence. However, good specificity is noted for laminitis diagnosis by these methods in the literature. More likely, overall instance of laminitis was lower 
due to cases going on notice and the exclusion of recurrent cases. Unfortunately, 128 ponies left the cohort due to euthanasia, movement, becoming pregnant or starting pergolide treatment. In their combined clinical prediction models, the authors found significant contributors to laminitis included higher body condition score, divergent hoof growth, lower exercise intensity, higher resting insulin and insulin concentration 60 minutes post-modified oral sugar test, and lower adiponectin. However, by far the greatest predictive power was found in insulin levels measured basally and 60 minutes post-modified oral sugar test. So much so that the addition of other variables added little to improving overall risk prediction. Interestingly, the authors found divergent hoof growth to be an indicator of subclinical laminitis, which is a convenient and readily assessed structure during routine therapy. However, currently there is not an objective grading system available for assessing divergent hoof growth, and therefore judgment is highly subjective. Furthermore, the association with ACTH and laminitis was weak and only present in the autumn, indicating that PPID is unlikely to be a marker on its own for laminitis risk, but rather an indicator of insulin dysregulation. However, ponies on pergolide treatment were excluded from the study, which instills bias into these findings. The authors state that whilst factors like body condition scores, exercise intensities and crusty neck scores were less reliable markers of laminitis risk, their association with insulin concentration and dysregulation cannot be ignored. This is especially important as these are modifiable factors that can be monitored within the field. Some major limitations of the study are in its design. Given multivariate prediction models are often formed biased on the data of limited clinical variables and guided by clinical experience. The study is also geographically limited and only included ponies kept in groups of five by experienced owners. Therefore, there are difficulties in extrapolating the data to other situations. Furthermore, in the current study, variables are relatively uncontrolled, with the potential for risk factors to be missed or altered by owners although this does resemble general clinical practice. Lastly, the use of insulin concentration as a predictor of future laminitis is based on the assumption that its concentration does not change naturally with time, which has not been proven currently in the literature. In this paper, the authors have shown that whilst information gained from the clinical examination history is important in predicting laminitis risk, Basal or modified oral sugar test stimulated insulin concentrations best estimate a pony's future laminitis susceptibility. High, medium or low risk preventive strategies can therefore be devised for each individual pony and its surrounding environment. That concludes the review of this study and many thanks for listening to this edition of the Equine Veterinary Journal's On The Hoof podcast. We look forward to welcoming back soon and review another of the journal's early access articles. Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Channel podcast. More about the subjects discussed today can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash evj.